0: Hi, and welcome to SpondyCast, where we bring together the best medical minds, thought leaders, scientists, patients, and caregivers to inform and inspire the spondylitis community. I'm your host, Jill Miller, living my best spa life, knowing that how we meet today has the power to change everything going forward. Hi, and welcome to SpondyCast. Today, I am very pleased to say our guest is Dr. Wyn Tran. He is a board-certified internal medicine doctor Fellowship-trained Rheumatology at the University of Southern California. He has also obtained advanced dermatology training in the United Kingdom, earned both Master and Diploma with Merits of Practical Dermatology from Cardiff University. Dr. Tran is an Assistant Professor of Medicine, Rheumatology, and Dermatology at California North State University. He is also a preceptor for University of Southern California PharmD residents at 986 Pharmacy WMC Residency Program. And I'll mention he is a Facebook and YouTube influencer with over 300,000 followers. So Dr. Wintran, we are very excited to welcome you here today.
1: Hello, Jill, my pleasure to be here. My pleasure to talk about Athropathy.
0: Yes. So we're going to talk about that and we're going to talk about it through the lens of uh, a word that many of us probably know that the general public doesn't know, but we should get into it. We're going to talk about the role of DMARDs in treating spondyloarthritis. So first, can you tell us what DMARD means and also the different types that are out there? And then we'll we'll get into it. We'll get a little background first.
1: Sure. So DMARDs, or disease-modifying anti-rheumatic drugs. So long names, but you call it DMARs. They are a class of medication commonly used in the treatment of strong spondylopathy. This is a group of inflammation rheumatoid disease that primarily affect the spine and the SI joint. Now DMAR has such a Essential component of the treatment regimen for arthritis by targeting the underlying inflammatory processes and help to manage symptoms. So, in short, those drugs that magically find away how your body was inflamed and try to reduce those inflammation pathway at the same time to prevent joint damage to relieve pain and symptom and to control all the extra articular manifestation of the disease. So they're very strong. And we have so many demers out there and I'm not sure. Jill, do you want me to uh, go over some of them or how should we? uh... So
0: I think there's a few buckets, right? So there's, I think of them as steroids, methotrexates, or methotrexate, and is it sulfasalazine? hmm Are those the three buckets that are most popular?
1: <laughs> yes, yes. Jill, you are the expert, but let me share with you a bit more. The way that we classify them, we divide into three main groups. The first one we call conventional synthetic dema and those are the ones you just talk about. Sulfasalazine, methotrexate, hydro. See chloroquine, rifonamide, azathiopines. So those are the conventional, the ones perhaps you heard about them all the time, or because they've been exist longest. The next we call biologic DMARs, and those are tumor necrosis factor inhibitor. Now let me go back and share with you what is tumor necrosis factor or TNF. Yes. Whenever one of our cell injury, okay, if you and me get injured, you what we're going to do We gonna yell, we say, Hey, I'm in pain. Right. And we go on to send a signal to all the cells or to all the body, ask for help. So TNF, we can see as a signal in between cell whenever they inflame. And what they do is they send out those signals and more cells come over to help to control the inflammation and to make the cell more inflamed. In order to control the inflammation, one of the way we do, we inhibit, we stop those signaling pathway. So we call it tumor necrosis factor inhibitor. Well, the name cell right. you saying
0: saying when we have a cell that asks for help, Mm -hmm. the other cells that come are what's creating the inflammation.
1: Is that- But the problem with, arthritis is they miss communicating. They send out a wrong signal. They send so many signals out there. And then the, those cells just keep coming back and attack ourselves. Right. So For example, instead of attack bacteria or viruses, we attack ourselves. So that's what we call autoimmune disease, autoimmune ourselves.
0: And this is what was happening during COVID when people were having cytokine storms, right?
1: Exactly. That's what it
0: is. So those, and for anyone who's not listening, those were when we were hearing about people with all of the lung issues where their lungs were filling up. Yes. And that was because we weren't, we didn't know what was in our bodies and we were screaming for help or our cells were screaming for help and the cytokines came to help, but they helped yep. a little too much. Yes. <laughs> okay. And that wasn't for AS, but that was I always think of that's when inflammation became ma- mainstream or sort of like
1: I like it because that's how I explain to my patient too. think about your body as a country and the immune system, like an army with the Navy, with the air force, we have whatever out there. Right. What happened if the army themselves don't fight with foreigners, we fight among ourselves. Civil war. Yeah, a civil <laughs> war. That's what <laughs> it is. <laughs> you don't want that, right? Right. So our, it's a kind of civil wars in our body. Now, in order for those signaling continue between cells, there's a TNF. And how do we stop them? We call it TNF inhibitor. So that was the cell. And those are newer biologic dema. And you perhaps you hear all the time, those are interleukin inhibitor particularly interleukin seventeen. Uh sick sec- or Izikisumf. You may not remember those names, just to forget it. <laughs> but those are the interleukin inhibitor. And the yeah, other one be
0: brand like branded biologics. Yes.
1: But if you pay attention, Jill, I would not mention any brain. I try to be That's
0: patient. fair. I'm just translating that.
1: <laughs> yeah. I can tell you I talk, I give many talk and with my Experience. <laughs> I usually, I don't mention any brand. Yeah. Anyway, the other one I'm my favorite we call interleukin-12 SLAP-23 uh, or Ostechizumab. So this is the one that target both IL-12 and IL-23. So think about those signaling pathway and we inhibit them. So they stop. So the inflammation pathway or cascade stop at the beginning. So no more cell damage, no more joint injury and no more uh, college damage. And that's how hopefully we can control with the neurobiology DMAR. The last DEMARS we call target synthetic. You may hear about this on social media or radio too. One of the famous one we call Janus kinase or Jack kinase inhibitor. Perhaps you know about these two. Yes, yes. I've
0: heard about jack inhibitors.
1: It's a very famous one, and the two of them are tofacitinib and baricitinib. Those two are the most famous one because they has been studied extensively. Now they really control symptom well, and uh, they are considered one of the good drugs out there. However, with three uh, classes we just mentioned the conventional the biologic and the target one, uh, we have now a forehand of tool we can help with patients. And hopefully those demarked uh, can make a strong impact on our patient life. So those are a very short one. And I mean, long history short, but yeah. those work had been developed for years and uh, metodrugs say sulfoalazine and perhaps one, the oldest one you know is called Plaquenil or hydroxychloroquine sure. back in 60, 70s, 80s. So long, long time ago. And biologic just recently in the past uh, 10 to 20 years and the target one in the past 10 years. So and you can the, see. Yes.
0: Okay. And the, do steroid? where do like corticosteroids or?
1: Oh, are steroid, them? I consider one of the d too, but I consider the way that I mentioned to my patient, I try not to use steroid long term. Right. So this is one of the way that the ACR in general, uh, we do not recommend use steroid more than three months because even though a very low dose, right, in the past we think, oh, what I, I use only five mcg per day. But actually, this, see, a few studies from the Europe prove that even a smaller or lower dose we still have some potential long term side effect oh yeah so i think they are de demor- you but i don't want to make uh, the indication that people may use for long term such as are demor- So
0: that's a good distinction right so the my understanding is the steroids are generally a an acute situation in my experience, I can't speak for anyone else, but I know that I get about one dose a year where I'm allowed to call and say like, I'm so miserable, help me. Uh, and I get a five day dose and that's it. And it's, I have to wait until the Christmas.
1: <laughs> well, the way that I explain to my patient about steroid, think about your body is a house. And if you have joy pain, you inflame. So a house is in fire, right? Yeah. Sustainable so are the distinguished fire equipment that can really stop the fire right away. However, in order for you to control the inflammation from inside, you need other tools. You need some chemical, you need like insulation, you need other things to protect, to control the inflammation, not just to control at the same time. So okay. you need two, two drugs, right? The one that stops inflammation right away, acutely, but we should not use long-term and the okay. other one is to control inflammation long-term.
0: So a steroids like a fire extinguisher and a DMARD is like insulation. Yeah, okay. the conventional Dmarts Okay, so yeah. let's talk a little bit about the conven- conventional ones. Uh, are they used in conjunction with other treatments?
1: Yes, you can use, uh, okay, first of all, let's let's go back to this. Whenever we think about dmr, we think about a group of medication and yes, they can use in conjunction with many, many drugs not just uh, one particular uh, dmr or um, steroids. Okay. The decision juice, however, depends on many factors. Uh, for example, uh, the disease severity, uh, some of them uh, could be very severe, perhaps you see some of them. Some of them just so mild. So the combination therapy, usually the choice depends on patient specific conditions, disease activity, and then lastly, response to therapy. Some patients, they may start with one particular g some class, but it doesn't help. So what they do, Uh, we move to a different class or we move to a different target. Like I just told you already, we have the conventional, we have the biology, we have the targets. So it depends. We can also combination DMARC with NSAID, uh, perhaps someone, or you already know, but NSAID, it's a non-steroidal anti inflammatory drugs. We use to manage pain and inflammations. Now we can use DMARC with physical therapy. I'm not sure if you ever entertained the idea.
0: DMAR with physical therapy.
1: Yes. Why not? Right? So this is what I do in my practice because physical therapy and exercise are important component of the spinal arthritis management. And DMAR can help reduce the inflammation and pain, make it easier for individual to participate in physical therapy and maintain joint mobility. Now, we can combine GMR with biologic DEMAR, right? Basically yep. same awesome classes. We can combine DEMAR with corticosteroid. I just told you, right? Really? <laughs> <laughs> yes, you can use a little bit, or sometimes you may use strong hydropranazole on a prednisone. And then when the condition is better, we go back to DEMAR. So in summary, the choice combination therapy it individualized, and the specific medication you together will depend on the patient unit circumstances. And right. the pathologist will carefully weigh the potential benefits, risks of the combination treatments, and then they will make the best decision uh, when we discuss with our patient.
0: And are there any groups that traditionally would not use DMARDs, whether it's, Age or pregnancy or nursing.
1: Yes, yes, and uh, those are so. First of all, few group or few um, sub of patient that I would consider very careful, or some of them um, I would not know use at all. And uh, perhaps you you know some of them already arrange right, use.
0: The people who wouldn't use them at all.
1: Yeah. So let, let me show you a couple, um, share with you a couple of things that we, um, recommend, uh, no use or use with very careful. Okay. Yes. So the, 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 first one is, that you mentioned the pregnancy, right? So talk about pregnancy and breastfeeding, and then we, we move to a different group So DMARC in pregnancy and breastfeeding had to be very careful let me repeat very very careful because uh it depends on some medication some of them are very bad for pregnancy perhaps you heard about methotrexate right or those are never i would say never should be used in pregnancy because they would severely impact the baby so there's only few of drugs that um we can use uh in term of pregnancy or breastfeeding, and the two most common ones we use by far um, is sulfur alizine and hydroxychloroquine. They are generally considered safe during pregnancy compared to biologics or other targets, DMAR that we mentioned about. Okay. About, about those drugs, we have so little or very few study about DMAR in pregnancy or breastfeeding. So I highly recommend you to discuss with your rheumatologist because in each patient, they may have a different circumstance and we have to base on individual to make an individualized treatment.
0: Okay. So in with the DMARDS, uh, how do you monitor progress?
1: Well, a couple of ways what we can monitor. The first one is how the patient feel, or basically the disease severity after they're taking medication. But just like we ask anyone, uh, how do you feel after you've taken this medication? So that that's one way that we monitoring them. The other one that we usually want, we monitor is we look at their labs. Yep, and labs it could be complex in uh, rheumatology in general or in um, spondyloarthritis because sometimes lab may not match your symptom. I don't know if you've seen this. Oh, but
0: please, yes. I think yeah. most of us have.
1: Yes, <laughs> and, 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 and and you know what? To be honest with you, sometimes the the doctor may look at oh, you know what you you have. Normal lab, but you 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 have pain. What happened? Yeah. In my opinions, I always treat humans. I always treat my patient, Joe. Yeah. I told my resident and my fellow, we do not treat numbers. We do not treat image. We treat humans. And and the humans sit in front of you right now, right here, and complain to you in pain, and you say, "Ma'am, your lab are normal." I don't yeah. know if you see this, but I do uh, saw. Yeah, it. I think.
0: It's- I think you could probably say a high percentage of, at least I know for sure, women uh, have had that well, well, and I think this is this whole conversation is part of why we're in a seven- to 10-year diagnosis.
1: Exactly. And this conversation both also bring me another point I'd like to share with you guys. Yeah, they may have other reasons why they're in pain. And we need to look at the whole picture. Well, you're right, maybe your lab does not indicate you have rheumatoid arthritis or whatever, but you in pain, I'm still trying to find you in pain rather than say, hey, your lab look normal. That doesn't mean you don't have it. So, right. so one thing I like to uh, to share with you that lab is one part, but not everything. So we talk about clinical assessment. We talk about physical exam, uh, we do a, an exam to look for your joy. We look for synovitis, and one thing about uh, spondy arthropathy is we call it disease activity score. I'm not sure the uh, society. Right. Yeah, the Dutch right. yes. So yes. we use it a lot, and with your BA or diet, and this is often we measure how much your disease is well controlled or not. So the patient pain and outcome. Image study, we talk about that uh, lab included. And sometimes you may have normal labs, normal image, but it doesn't mean you don't have the disease. Right. right? So
0: this is the idea of longitudinal, watching Mm -hmm. over a period of time. Yes. See. Okay.
1: And one last thing, uh, Jill, I really um, wanna focus on patient communication. From my experience teaching with uh, the resident fellows, the, the patients should understand as much as they can about the disease, because I like to have a shared decision-making. This is particularly important for rheumatology uh, or spondyloarthritis, because the patient, once they motivated, they understand they can help the physician control the disease better. So communication is one way that I can use as a tool to follow up to assess my patient. If they can tell you well about the disease, they understand about the whole progress. They can tell you, Oh, Dr. Tran, I'm on five milligrams steroid today, but I will try to cut down next time. I know she know what it is, right? Yeah. Rather than someone, Oh my God, I'm just keep taking 40 print so long or prints so on every day. And I have no idea. Can you imagine those patients? So those come with side effects and the communications between the provider and patient is crucial.
0: So I know with DMARDs, particularly the conventional, uh, how do you talk about risk associated with them? And I know more about methotrexate than sulfasalazine, but uh, what are the risks? And I know how do you work to evaluate them with the patient?
1: Thank you, June, yes. So DMRT, uh, they have some potential side effects or some risks. Depends on the type of DMRT, particularly for each drugs, each patient may have a different risk. Now, let me share with you some risks uh, and some common side effects, some medication that we, we see every day. Metadrexate, for example. The most common side for, for metadrexate, nausea, vomiting, fatigue basically anything with GI problems, but also it may affect liver functions and it may increase the liver enzyme. Now whenever I see those side effects for nausea, vomiting, uh, we use medication or we ask the patient to take smaller dose. I'm not sure if uh, I told you that Jill sometimes if a patient can divide a metraxine dose in two doses. Oh. Not sure you did it before. For example, 20 milligrams or 25, right? You take 10 and 15. 10 in the morning, 15 in the afternoon. That could reduce substantially side effect.
0: Interesting.
1: If you take all of them one time. Oh my God, I will tell you that's how, that may may not be um, for some people, they just say, oh my God, that's too much. So I asked them to take two and they feel better. I say, oh, okay, it's still within the same day. Please do not take every day. <laughs> yeah. Some patients, they for some reason they misunderstanding they take methotrexate every day. No, that's that's not cool. Okay. Sulfoalazine so is another common drugs, and it they cause GI problem, abdominal pain, diarrhea. And then you take those medications with food, or you can take with a full glass of water and it can be due to effect. And make sure you check with your liver functions. And sometimes sulfolazine can cause some skin reactions. Oh. Yeah. Lipunamide um, can also cause diarrhea, liver enzyme, and also uh, this is I would consider one of the very potent drugs so make sure you ask your rheumatologist before you use because hair loss I'm not sure if you heard about it Jill. hair loss can occur in leflunomide Really yes and uh, <laughs> <laughs> what
0: <laughs> I just I think of all the all the drugs out there and like no no drug is bulletproof right no drug doesn't have some side effect Yeah
1: I will tell you too, unfortunately, you know, that's why I love rheumatology.
0: <laughs> yeah. It's, right. It's like being a detective.
1: <laughs> it's yes. You said amazing. And sometimes my hang tight because I look around, I say, well, this drug have this side effect, this has, I have nothing. I have no room to, to move forward. I know.
0: But I remember know, methotrexate when I, I decided to stop taking it because I, I was feeling better, but I also was like, I'm just tired of not being able to have a few beers.
1: <laughs> you're right. Oh, one thing about methotrexate, I don't know, I told you, I don't know, you heard about subcutaneous methotrexate injection.
0: Yeah, I did injections.
1: Oh yeah. That's even better because you avoid most of the GI things. Yeah. And so, um, so that's something that people often forget, um, for example. So even one drug, you can see, you can divide in smaller dose. You can take with food. You can take a full glass of water. There's a way to improve the side effect rather than say, oh, you know what, let's stop it. I don't want to take it. And because of that, the disease disease may progress and it may worsening. So those are things for, um, okay, one thing about uh, Plaquenil or hydroxychloroquine. This is one of the best deemers out there. I would say the best because it's very safe. However, you should check your eyes. I'm sure you notice your eye, right? Because it may cause retinal and it can lead to vision problem. So please have your eye exam regularly, either yearly or more often as needed, because the sooner we detect the toxic to the eyes, we can stop the drug and we have some effective treatment rather than wait until very late and then the toxic to the eyes too much, it become irreversible. Now other the demo, um, Jill, we talk about biology, right? So make sure that those sometimes the side effects include infection. Right. Remember, infection means whenever we have a bacteria or a virus and then we send out the signal to ask for help, right? What if we block those signals? <laughs> so the body have some invader, some intruder, but we don't call for help. So that's why the risk of infections
0: Increase oh,
1: yeah. Substantially, you see that, right? Yeah. So that's why the risk of infection increased substantially with biologic. And and what are they? So I asked my patient to have we call pneumovax or pneumococcal vaccines. Right. And then whatever uh, vaccine, please do a flu shot vaccine. Please update with your vaccine because this is how we protect you.
0: What is your now, the new? Uh, should people get the new COVID Vax?
1: That's a great question, because this is how I see, we should based on the individual patient, uh, because with the study I saw, and you mean the booster one or the the, the previous one? Which one? Uh,
0: the, well, there was the first ones, then the booster ones, and now we're getting into the new one, right? Isn't That's there, a, right. there's a new one coming out in about a month,
1: right? Yeah. The new one, I don't have enough data, but the booster one basically what they do is they change the, the footprint a little bit about the, how the cycle be, they evolve. So the booster one, I, I can say, in case of high risk patient, it's still okay. However, the way that I see, we need more data. I, yeah. I, I don't feel we have enough data. I don't know if you feel it, but I read and I, I could not find enough data. And I understand in COVID nineteen we are in such a, a very unique situation. We don't have, we, we don't have anything. Let's put it this way. And then right. with such a small data, we make decision. And the the original one, health. I myself have the vaccine one for the original one, but for the incoming one, I don't know yet. I have to see more and what it is.
0: Yeah. Well, and I think you know, just like with anything else. Uh... Okay. I will say I'm not, I'm not advising anybody to not get it. I'm advising people to talk to their doctor and make the right decision. Uh, But I think too, we, it does become individual, especially when you've got, because there are some medications that are affected. There are some diseases that are more affected, some comorbidities that are more affected by the vaccine or COVID. And, and I think when you talk about the data, we're looking at, we're looking at the vaccine, right? As the, sort of a yes, no, did it work? Not maybe all the causal factors that caused it to not work. Uh, okay, so we don't need to get into that rabbit hole. Uh, you know, I, I think one thing we agree.
1: I think each patient should be treated individually. Yes. That's how I see it. I mean, no matter who come, whatever, I look at them individually. I say, hey, this patient with this risk factor, what are the risk factors? I mean, what medication, what condition they have and what medication they are on at the moment. It I, I don't, to me, medicine is not about one size fit all. And everyone knows this, right? Yeah. So that's the thing. If you need to have a, a question, talk to your PCP or your rheumatologist. And they usually have a really good answer for you because they know you the best.
0: Yes. I just don't want any rheumatologists calling me and saying they heard on SpondyCast that people weren't supposed to get their uh, <laughs> vaccine. Cause that's not what I was saying. Uh, okay. So one question I have, uh, and then we, sh- we can probably, probably start wrapping up here, but, uh, the idea and the, the hope the outcome is with a DMARD is that a better quality of life. Yes. Mm-hmm. So, while on DMARDS, do you have to modify it all? You mentioned you use a DMARD and add physical therapy to add mobility, maybe. Uh, Is there anything people should stop doing, slow down doing?
1: Uh, There are things that I would not, first of all, there are things that we should not stop doing. And I consider those are good habits. And perhaps you already know those already. One thing about DMAR and other medication in general is, once you take those medication, please do not stop your good habits. And what are they? Number one, exercise. This This is one thing that I told my patient again and again. Exercise can be a really good medication. And you know what, Jill? It's free. It has almost no side effect. And what? Not just exercise exercise can bring all the hormones to make you happier. So I can tell you all about exercise and people under utilizing this yes. because lifestyle exercise, those are the key component to fight with spinal arthritis. So that's the good one. The other good one is networking. So I don't call everyone to participate in this society, but this is a great society in June. Let's do this way.
0: <laughs> so okay. any,
1: uh, any person or family member should at least listen to this or uh, know about this website. This is based on research because when we networking, we know and we share, make us happier. And yeah. when we happier, we create hormones like oxytocin, right? And then all the hormone, dopamine, whatever, to make us fight better with inflammation.
0: Right. And it um, doesn't it also. Uh, so I remember reading an Alzheimer's study that people who are social, the more people you meet, the less likely you are to have Alzheimer's. And I don't know if that still holds true, but I think about even there was a lot of discussion around uh, and we've had this conversation on Spondycast about pain and rebuilding neural pathways. Uh, And I bet networking helps, I think networking does help you to rebuild neural pathways, but I wonder if it helps around the pain pathways too.
1: It's true. It's actually very true with those, um, not just Alzheimer's, dementia, or rheumatology problem, I think with even with cancer. So all the things that involve the immune system and everything that we think about uh, in terms of supportive care, networking, uh, psychologically, laughing, those kind of things that yep. can make people feel much, much better. You see, Jill, the, the way that I do rheumatology, a little bit more holistic because I emphasize on those factors. Because yep. you, decide, you control your weight. And, and can let me tell you a bit about weight. Weight is important in terms of. Spinal arthritis, even if we can reduce a few pounds in case of we are overweight, that can make a big difference. Think about you put five, ten, or twenty additional pounds to your back. Have you ever carried that, Jill? Carry that? Oh,
0: I yes, and I've carried two children, so <laughs> I remember that. How no, and I I will say, and I I don't want to caution people to be too thin because I think that right or like it's healthy. It's not about right. I I always say I want I want to feel this good when I'm 80, and some of that is about just maintaining uh, right healthy habits. At the moment, I'm a bit of a slacker this last couple of weeks, but I'm I'll promise I'll get back on the train. Uh, <laughs> and water, what do you think about water? I ask this question a lot. How, important is, how important is staying hydrated?
1: Absolutely. It's really important because water is it basically is the atom of life, right? And water play a crucial role in your college. I don't know if you know this, but when we age, unfortunately, the ability to retain water in college substantially reduces. Really? Yes, if you think about it.
0: Okay. I believe
1: and it. You're you drinking water. water, now. <laughs> water All
0: right. So we should be wrapping up here soon. Uh um, yeah, but
1: one one more thing about those. Yeah. Uh, let, let me emphasize a couple few more. Uh so we'll talk about physical activity, uh good fa- good uh habit about now two things smoking. If you can quit smoking, that helped a lot. I will tell you. Smoking is detrimental to, to arthritis. It will kill your joint. Let me repeat, please do not, if you can, quit smoking. And then lastly, alcohol. Um, alcohol consumption can interact with certain medication and can potentially worsen your symptoms. Other factor, Jill, can make you a really good uh, patient to fight with arthritis are uh, good rest good sleep and then lastly patient education right i just told you earlier become an educated patient will substantially control your symptom because you know what are you dealing with
0: i love it and i will say anyone can go to spondylitis.org for more information (laughs) Uh, we're going to plug in there uh well this has been fantastic so i have one final question and then i will let you get back to your day Uh, what biggest thing do you find hopeful about the future for people with AS?
1: Well, the biggest thing that I feel really hopeful about the future is we live in today medicines. That means we have thousands of clinical trials. We have scientists, we have physicians work around the clock to fight, to understand the immune system to understand about spondyloarthritis, why we have this, and find the best treatment for you. I just told you, right, five, ten five, 10 years ago, we do, we did not have target DMRs. 20 years ago, we did not have biologic DMRs. And as we're speaking today, we have 10 of them waiting for approval from FDA. And I can tell you, the future is so bright. All we need is, just put them together. We need a network. We need a good communication. We need to connect our patient with our clinical trial. We need patient to connect with good rheumatologists. We need patient to connect with good pharmacy. And, and that's it. And we need a good communication on social media, right? Yeah. people understand better about this condition. So hopefully uh, everyone will always can be beneficial from this advancement of science.
0: I love it. OK, so people can find you on YouTube. Yes, yes. As the real Dr. W- Win Tran. Yes. Uh, and on Facebook. Uh, thank you so much. This has been wonderful. I actually you framed it in a way that I finally understood it after ten years of, of not knowing enough, probably, about DMARTS. So thank <laughs> you for that. And and really thank you for your your commitment to the community. It's been great.
1: Jill, I hope we can continue, uh, or if I can be helpful to anything to you guys, to the society, I would be would love to.
0: Yeah, wonderful. Thank you so much.
1: Thank you so much, Jill.
0: Spondycast was made possible by donations from the Spondylitis Association of America's individual members and our show's corporate sponsor, AbbVie. Since our founding in 1983, the Spondylitis Association of America has been the face, voice, and leading nationwide nonprofit educating, empowering, and advocating for people living with spondylarthritis. Through our extensive work with patients, the medical community, and partners, we provide information and resources to help people impacted by the disease live better lives and champion research to find a cure.